0: Hey, let me start this morning with a question. How many of you have ever done something that turned out positive, but at a certain point in the lead up, you, you almost didn't do it? Do you have any memories of, of something that, that was like, I nearly didn't do that, but boy, looking back, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I did. I didn't, I didn't buckle to fear, or I didn't, didn't buckle to to uncertainty, or I didn't buckle to, to small thinking cynical people's lack of confidence that it could be done. Um, Louie has had a, s- such an experience in her life that she did something that she wasn't sure about, but looking back, she's so glad she did. We, we, when we started hanging out together, we, sort of, we didn't kind of date one-on-one initially. We were part of a, a broader friendship group and we found ourselves gravitating to the same end of the table at the cafe and so on and so forth. Louie... When, when we were all saying goodnight uh, on Oxford Street, Leaderville one uh, evening, she, she, she got up on her tippy toes and kissed me first on the lips. And, and, and boy, and boy, is she glad she did. Today, uh, because if she didn't, She would have missed her turn. I wanna teach today about not missing your turn. Now, open up your Elevate app and uh, push on the Bible tab. It'll take you to a very famous story. And it's a famous story, not just in in church settings, although it's very much famous in church settings. We teach it to our kids. We teach it in adult context but it's also become somewhat folkloric that you'll hear this phrase or you'll you'll hear this story referenced in in actually just just about every walk of life. It's the story of David versus Goliath. And um, whilst it's a familiar story to many of us, I wanna put forward the idea today that actually at a couple of hinge points in history, this story of David ultimately facing and defeating Goliath May not have happened. David had the potential to miss his turn. If, uh, just by the way, and I was thinking about this in the prep this week, um, we taught a whole series uh, about 18 months ago, I think beginning of last year, called Sticks and Stones around this uh, this story. It's actually one of the most, I think, significant and, and beneficial teaching series we've, we've ever done um, here. And uh, so I'd recommend if you weren't here, or maybe even if you were, you can go and recap on our podcast, Sticks and Stones. It really uh, drills into this whole, not just the story of fighting Goliath, but very much this um, timeline of David, uh, David's life in, in the lead up to that. But I want to take a deep dive in, into um, the actual, this moment of, of conquest where Samuel records the story like this. Uh, that roused the Philistine. This is Philistine uh, is Goliath. And he started toward David. David had just called him out. How dare you come against the God of Israel? And, and, and Goliath's like, hey, mate, I'll come against whoever I like. I'm big, I'm ugly, I'm, I'm strong. And, and Goliath started running toward David. Well, David took off from the front line, running toward the Philistine. See, this is one of the things, when you know that you've got God on your side, you don't run from challenges, you don't run from fears, you run towards them because you know that you've always got the competitive advantage. David reached into his pocket for a stone, slung it and hit the Philistine hard in the forehead, embedding the stone deeply. The Philistine crashed face down in the dirt and that's how David beat the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He hit him and killed him. No sword for David. Then David ran up to the Philistine and stood over him, pulled the giant's sword from its sheath, and finished off the job by cutting off his head. We teach this stuff to our kids. But here's the thing, even just in there, don't don't miss this. Sometimes what the enemy designed to defeat you, the sword in Goliath's hands, you can actually take and turn that around and defeat him. Use it for God's glory. That marriage that failed doesn't have to be the end of the story. And maybe the marriage you're in now was plan B, but plan B doesn't mean it was the second best because you can learn the lessons that you learned in that first marriage and apply them into the second marriage. You can have a failed business and take the lessons you learned, the things that the devil wanted to hold you down see you destroyed financially, see the next generation not, not provided for and, and learn those things and take that into your future. The, the the lessons go on and on. We can take the sword that was designed to defeat us and use it for God's glory and for His victory. When the Philistines saw that the great champion was dead, they scattered running for their lives. Um, I get my hair cut uh, at a place called F10. Well, actually, I, I, don't, I no longer refer to it as getting my hair cut. Now, now, these days, I can count them. I refer to it as getting my hairs cut. And um, it's, uh, it, the place is called F10 and you pay $10, which for me is about a buck a strand. Um, and it's a very simple setup where you go to the, to the front entrance of the, of the store and you put in a $10 note in this, this sort of uh, ticket machine and it spits out a number ticket and you see the number and then there's a little red LED uh, number display up on the wall there and and you see your number and you see the LED and and you gotta wait your turn. Um, And it's pretty busy, it's 10 bucks, you know, so all the other cheapskates like me uh, go in there. You know women with long permed hair go in there? I mean, that's not right. Anyway, um, I'll go there and I'll get my ticket and it'll be like, you know, 5.82. And I look up and, and on, the, on the screen it says 569, 582, 569. Oh man, 13 people in front of me. I hate waiting. I'm like, I don't, do, I don't do lines. I don't do waiting. And I'm like, oh. Now the hairdressers, if you can call that, is located in the shopping centre. And so if I wanted to, I could go into Coles and do a little bit of grocery shopping. I could go to the fruit and veg place and get it. it but, but, but here's what I've learned. I've learned that that is a mistake. See, because I might be fooled to thinking that my number has me 14 places away from being next person up, but it's not. Because some of the other idiots, they have assumed that they've got time to go and do their grocery shopping and, and pop into Tajay and, 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 and duck into the health food store and get their kombucha. And, and, and so their number gets called Number, number, five, seven, three, five, seven, three. And number five, seven, three is not there. Oh, I mentioned it's owned by Chinese people. Uh, um, (laughs) Just a little bit of theatrical license there. Uh, um, And I was gonna, you know, just for the record, I love Asian people, right? I don't like their driving, but I love them. Okay, just, if ever I, like make fun of their driving. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a racist thing. It's, it's not a criticism. It's merely an observation, okay? And, and let me prove it. Um, I'll come back to the hairdresser story in a moment. Let me prove it. So I was in my local Woolies um, on uh, Wednesdays, in my local Woolies. Now, you know, so here's the story. I'm in my local Woolies. And, and the, the, see, the aisles are a certain width not just by some random you know, twist of the universe. It, somebody has measured what two trolleys going in opposite directions, just exactly how much, how much runway width they need. Someone's measured that. Someone's been paid to do that. And then the, the stores are designed for that. So here I am, but I don't even have a shopping trolley. No, I've just got the little plastic cart. Little plastic carry cart, right? Not taking up much real estate. I used to weigh 97 kilos. I don't weigh 97 kilos anymore. So I'm not even taking up as much real estate as I used to be. Plus, you know those people who are who, who not sure what they're looking for. They can't exactly find the brand and, and they stand back in the middle of the aisle and look, I hate those people. And, and I'm committed to not be those people. So, so what I do is, yeah, it might take me a bit longer, but I'm considerate. I, I go, I press my face up against and I do this. So I'm not, I'm not taking up hardly any, and I'm side on with my plastic thing in front of me. So there's like a trolley and a half's width behind me. Nobody coming the other way. Hip. Head on in the hip. And I didn't have to turn around to guess the accent, to guess the accent. And I hear these words, oh, sorry, sorry, oh, sorry. It's not a criticism, it's just an observation. But the driving issues extend to shopping carts, man. Oh, my God. Okay, sorry, Jesus. So 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 I'm in the hairdressers and I'm not 14 deep because Mr. 573 gets called, and Mr. 573 is not there. So they, they don't wait, mate. They are boom, 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 boom. 574, he's not there. He's in coals. 575, he's not there, or she. She's in the in the health food store. Five, seven. So so often, even though I start my vision of my of my future starts 14 uh, tickets away, my reality only ends up being five or six tickets away because I've learned that I just need to sit there. And if I sit there, I won't miss my turn. Today, I'm preaching about not missing your turn. So let me give you David's backstory. He defeated Goliath. Oh my God. Goliath. I've just come back from holidays and my brain hasn't come with me. Okay. Okay. So here's the backstory. So David defeats Goliath, but here's the backstory. The backstory story is that at that point in history, Saul was the king of Israel. Now Saul, whilst he had the stature of a king, he didn't have the character of a king. And one of the things that we need to make sure we develop is we need to develop the character that's not only gonna take us to fulfill our calling, but it's gonna sustain us when we get there. And Saul didn't have that. He didn't develop that character. And so God looked to replace him. So what God did is he tapped a prophet, a guy named Samuel, and said to Samuel, I want you to go and pick the next king. And here's where you're gonna find him. Go to a guy named Jesse's house. Jesse's got a fleet of sons. Get the the fleet of sons out there. And one of them is gonna be the next king of Israel. So Samuel obediently goes, finds Jesse's house, says to Jesse, hey, can you bring out all your sons? Because one of them's gonna be the next king of Israel. So brings out seven sons. and, And Samuel goes down the line, listening to God, to, to figure out which of these seven sons it's going to be—is it him, God? Uh, him? Uh, 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 uh. No deal on all seven of them. A little bit puzzling to Samuel because he went there. God said one of the sons is going to be uh, going to be the next king of Israel, and Samuel asked Jesse, "Is this it? Are there no more sons? Because he was he was convinced that God." Had, he'd heard God clearly that some one of the sons was going to be, but then when he went down the line, it was none of them. And Jesse, the father said, well, yes, uh, there's the runt, but he's out tending the sheep. Now, this is, th- he was referring to David. This is David's dad. D- David's dad, there's a few things going on here. Number one, he didn't even call him by name. He called him the runt. Nice, thanks, dad. Appreciate it. Plus, when Samuel asked him to get all of his sons in the room, they didn't even bother inviting David because they considered there's absolutely no way that this guy, the runt, the youngest in the fleet was qualified, was gonna be the next king. Important to note that whilst Jesse called David by his position, Ultimately, God called him by his potential. And I say that hopefully to encourage you this morning, don't get so hung up if everyone in your world doesn't appreciate you the way you think you should be appreciated. Don't get so discouraged if everybody in your world doesn't value you the way you feel you ought to be valued. Because ultimately, our value comes from who God says we are and our potential isn't based on our position, but based on His perspective and who He says we are. (laughs) In fact, spoiler, Samuel ended up picking David. You don't even have to be in the lineup to ultimately get picked by God. If it was up to people, David would never have been king. But God even went beyond people's opinions and picked the runt to be the next king. And David, he could have packed some of this into his emotional baggage. Didn't pick me. Left me out there, tending the sheep. Feeling overlooked in obscurity. But what was really happening for David is he, being overlooked... Bit, sorry, being in obscurity doesn't necessarily mean you're being overlooked. In fact, often being in obscurity is, is the perfect time for you to get busy preparing yourself for God's assignment for your life. Not having to deal with all of the moving parts, but, but focusing on a few things. In fact, for David, it was ultimately his ability as a slinger which he developed out there protecting the sheep, killing a bear and a lion that enabled him to ultimately defeat Goliath. He prepared in obscurity to ultimately defeat Goliath. But not only did he prepare for the battle, he ultimately prepared for, 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 and developed the character of a king out there in obscurity. Because if you have the faithfulness of a shepherd, you can lead a nation. If you have the, the skills of, if you can lead sheep, It's no coincidence that Jesus referred to us as sheep because sometimes we're pretty stupid. And and, and David learned to lead people by first learning to lead sheep, but he did that in obscurity. And not only did his obscurity not disqualify him from becoming the King of Israel, it ultimately was one of the things that qualified him for being the King of Israel. But here's, here's the thing. Samuel ultimately chose David to be the king. But even though he now was given the appointment, he could have still missed his turn. God's calling on our lives actually isn't all on God. Much of it is still on us. And decisions we make, hinge points, that if we choose wrongly, we could still miss our turn despite the fact that God's called us. See, David's now been appointed and anointed, literally, Samuel poured the oil, which means he's, he's got God's spirit on him, he's chosen, he's gonna be the next king. It would make sense at this moment in history for David to, to, to order an UberX, oh no, sorry, I'm a king now, make it an Uber black, uh, order an Uber black, Uh, take me down to the Claremont Quarter because I've got to to upgrade my robes. I've been been wearing these sort of, you know, sheepy, hairy things. Now, got to get some king clothes, you know, maybe some Versace, maybe some Armani. So, you know, take me down the Claremont Quarter and on route, you know, sit in the back. I mean, Aussies, we sit in the front, but kings sit in the back and he could, you know, on the way down Stirling Highway, be practising his king wave. Could have had his mail redirected at that moment in history from his dad's house to the king's palace. Because that's what you'd expect. I mean, the guy's just been appointed and anointed as the king, but it's not what happened. In fact, what happened was the very next move that David made was to go straight back to the sheep and continue business as usual. I've said this before, I'm gonna say it again. For David, even though he was now the king, the next step was simply... Same sheep, different day. Ugh. And in fact, it was actually years later before he ultimately wore the crown. See, sometimes we make the mistake that just because we know that God's called us to something, that it's gonna be activated immediately. And yet God calls us and and, and often shows us that calling, gives us a sense of our destiny, but He doesn't always confirm the timing. How many of you like to wait? (laughs) Me either. I hate it. But, but, But we've got to actually learn that it's an important part of the process after the calling doesn't come the confirmation of the timing. In fact, I heard it said this week, very simply, when God deposits a seed, the next season isn't fruit, it's root. It's not sexy. It's not visible to the people around us. It doesn't even actually feel like progress because fruit goes up, but root goes down. But if we want. not significant fruit, we've got to allow God the time to first establish the root. And that's the process that God takes us through. And it happens gradually. And the reason this is important is because too many people miss their turn is because they check out during the rooting season. And I know that word means something else as well in English. <laughs> Don't go there. Uh, They check out them because because it happens gradually. It's not sexy. It it, it can be frustrating. It requires patience. It requires reliance. We want the fruit, but we first got to allow God to establish the root. So David went back to tending the sheep. Now, even then, David still could have missed his turn. Another hinge point. He's out there tending the sheep, and uh, and his dad calls on him to do something. Now, I've preached about David and Goliath lots of times in, in, in my life. You've probably heard uh, people preaching about David and Goliath. Many of you, if you've, if you've been orbiting in church stratosphere for some time. <clears throat> Today, I'm deliberately not preaching about the battle on the battlefield. Because one thing that I've observed is that too many people don't even make it that far. And I gotta tell you, as a church leader, it's one of the things that breaks my heart the most is when I see people that I know are called, when I see people that I know God has an incredible destiny for their lives, when I see people that, that, that have the potential to defeat Goliath in their future, but they don't even make it to the battlefield because they don't go through this process. They get frustrated that the, root, that the fruit doesn't appear quick enough so they check out, they tap out, they quit. And when I say I get frustrated, when I say it breaks my heart, I gotta tell you, I can't even begin to imagine how much that must break God's heart. That the very God that calls us by our potential, not our position, the very God that sees more in us and for us that we could ever see in and for ourselves, that actually often gives us a glimpse of our future, gives us a glimpse of our potential, gives us the confirmation of our calling and, and, and begins the process in our lives of moving us to where we actually ultimately can a, a, not just stand on the battlefield with our Goliaths, but actually defeat our Goliaths, And yet we don't get there because we don't do everything that He wants us to do in the preparation season so we never get to face the Goliath. So I'm not preaching today about defeating our Goliaths, I'm preaching about everything that we need to make sure we do in the lead up to make sure that we don't miss our turn. this is not very sexy. but it's super, super important. So here's David, the future King of Israel, the one who's been appointed, anointed, it's all done. It's all good to go. He doesn't know the timing, but he knows it's happening and and, and what's happening to him. He's back out in obscurity. He's back out tending some sheep, sheep that don't appreciate him. Never say, thanks, David, love your work. All they do is bleat and poop. but he stuck with it. And one day, his old man, Jesse, told David, his son, take this sack of cracked wheat and these 10 loaves of bread and run them down to your brothers in the camp and take these 10 wedges of cheese to the captain of their division. Jesse needed David to do a food run. David could have responded, Dad, please, I'm a king. I don't do deliveries. Dad, have you forgotten who you're talking to? Dad, I have people for that, or at least I will. But this was another test for David, who was called to be king but wasn't yet sitting in the throne of the king. Will he do the small things? And one thing that I've observed in church leadership over years is if we don't do the basic things well, God will not even give us the opportunity to do the big things because it's a test. Straight out of Jesus' playbook, Luke chapter 16, verses 10 to 12. If you are not faithful in the little things, God will not give you ruler over much. He won't entrust. You can't be entrusted with the little things. So, so here was another test, not a test from Jesse, is a test from God to David. Will you, the future King of Israel, already anointed and appointed, deliver some bread and cheese to your brothers on the battlefield? Will you, when you check your kids out of Elevate Kids, thank the, 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 the people in Orange, our Elevate Kids team members, for the time that they've spent investing in your kids? Or will you just take the kids and, and go and feel maybe some sense of entitlement that your kids Will you parade around with your delicious Kenyan Peaberry coffee? And when you see a host team member with a host team t-shirt, will you thank them for the time that they spent getting here at 8.15, making sure everything's prepared? Will you do the little things well? Will you pray for the person that you know is in a challenging season, even if they don't know you're praying for them? because you want God to act on their behalf. Will you send somebody an encouraging message? God's put their, their name, you know, brought them to the surface for you. Will, you. will you act on that? Will you send them something encouraging? Because encouragement that's not actually given is, is useless. Louis and I got this message from one of our, our peeps during the week. I won't disclose who it is, but uh, they wrote, hey guys, just wanted to say, I'm so thankful for your leadership and your loyalty to God. And I'm so stoked, Clue, generational clue there. I'm so stoked God called you to Perth because I finally found a church I can really call home. I've been reading Romans, that's in the Bible, y'all. Uh, I've been reading Romans and I've just led to encourage you both. Just by the way, when you read your Bible, don't just read it for what God can do in you, read it with a sense of what God can do through you for others. Um, I just, just led to encourage you both to keep going with the plans God's laid before you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you know that I've never heard anyone complain about being over encouraged? Oh God, I got given so much encouragement this week. I just can't stand it. Oh, oh, these people and their messages. Oh, oh. Text message, bing! Oh, stupid encouraging messages again. Bugger up and leave me alone. These are the little things, they're the basics. You, you don't get to defeat Goliath unless we consistently do the basics well. Right now, out in uh, Elevate Kids, Toddler's environment, uh, we've got uh, a couple, we call them Team DB. And uh, Team DB are uh, captained by Paul and Debbie DeBlanc. Uh, Paul DeBlanc's a partner in an engineering firm by day. Debbie DeBlanc's a lawyer in a law firm by day. And yet two out of every four Sundays, they're wearing orange shirts in our toddler's environment, investing into little people. They've even got to little people. A- and they've not said, we're engineers and lawyers, we don't do ministry to little people. We do what God calls us to do, and they're right now investing into little people. So look at the spirit in which David responded to Jesse, because I want you to notice this, a bit of a spoiler. I want you to notice this. Sometimes we can say yes to God, but with a really terrible attitude, Yeah, okay, God. It'll shut you up. (laughs) There's obedience, and then there's willing obedience. One carries a very different spirit to the other. David was up at the crack of dawn, and having arranged for someone to tend his flock, Eager, prepared, continued to take ownership. David thought he was coming back, right? This was the day that David actually ended up defeating Goliath, but he didn't know that was what was gonna happen. That wasn't the assignment. Hey, David, I need you to go. Just saw saw on, on Facebook that the team's really struggling, that there's this big giant out there and, and your brother's just sent me a DM saying, hey, come, can you send the runt? Because we know he's a pretty good slinger. No, 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 that wasn't the assignment. The assignment was bread, cheese, deliver. And, and David did that with willing obedience and didn't drop the ball on what God had called him to continue to do. He thought he was coming back. Took the food and was on his way just as Jesse had directed him. This was the day that David defeated Goliath, but that's not the assignment that he went out for. He went out there to be the deliverer for his old man to his brothers. And because of that, because of his willing obedience and all the hinge points that he passed in the lead up, he ultimately got to defeat Goliath. There's a, uh, I'll finish with this. There's a a line floats around um, on uh, socials a bit. and I'll put it up, if serving is beneath you, then leadership is beyond you. I wanna add to that. If serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. If the basics are beneath you, the big things will always be out of reach. And this one in Man Alive, I gotta tell you, I could start a whole preaching series about entitlement and how it is the exact opposite of what Jesus demonstrated. If anyone was entitled to something and gave it up, it was Jesus. And in our 21st century culture, in our Western culture, the, the, the culture of entitlement is is on the rise and it's insidious. And it's, and it's ultimately, if left unchecked, gonna destroy our culture. That's my prediction. And, and again, I could start preaching about that. But let's not let that creep into our hearts and our church and how we model the spirit of Jesus who said, I didn't come to serve, to be served, but to serve. If you live with entitlement, I don't do bread and cheese deliveries anymore, Dad. You'll never get the title. And David went on to become, and has been renowned throughout history, to become the greatest, not just the King of Israel, but the greatest King of Israel. Somebody that God gave the, the, the T-shirt, made the T-shirt, a man after God's own heart. Like God to, to to silk screen that T-shirt for you. Of all the things I could say about you, I say you're you're somebody whose life personifies that you're after my heart. That's pretty cool. Put that on your business card. Hey, let me uh, finish with one more question, and then uh, hand over to. Louis, it's a question we ask every week and it's a question we, we wanna want make sure we don't leave here without giving you the opportunity to answer. And the simple question is whether you are following Jesus. If you're already following Jesus, I'm already following Jesus, keep following Jesus. If you're not yet following Jesus, then right here, right now, we're gonna give you an opportunity to say yes to following Jesus. And all I want you to do in a moment for those of you that need to say yes to following Him is just put your hand up and putting your hand up, you're signifying that's me today, God. I, I, wanna, I wanna make it that decision to follow you. And when I see a hand, you can put it down. We'll quickly pray. So right now, before we finish up, if that's you today, you know, that's the decision you, you, you need to make. Yes, I wanna follow you, Jesus. Just put your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down. And then we'll pray.